Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. I am Brett Ridgway, and I want to welcome you to another edition of the Spotlight on Speaking show. And it's interesting because many of the speakers that I have as guests on this program are people that I've known for 20 years. Now, today's guest is the person I've known for about 20 hours. So it's quite interesting that we actually just crossed past yesterday at a networking event, and I was fascinated by, fascinated by what she does. And I thought she might be able to provide some tips that will help you as an aspiring speaker be more powerful on that stage. So my guest today is Caroline E. King, and she's the founder of Vocal Assets, which is a speaking company based in Somerset, England in the UK. She helps you by able to show up as your best you and being able to communicate that with style, resonance, and gravitas. I love that word, gravitas. She sang with the London Philharmonic Choir, which gave her the opportunity to sing in some of the best concert halls in the world, such as the Royal Festival Hall, and the Royal Albert Hall in London. One of her fondest memories was recording Mahler's Eighth Symphony under the baton of Klaus Tenstedt, which received the Grammy Award for the Best Choral Performance in the 30th Grammy Awards in 1988. Caroline was the principal of six stagecoach performing arts schools for 14 years, turning over 500,000 What's pounds, I guess that is, <laughs> per annum. Many of the students decided to enter the profession, like Katie Norris, who is an up-and-coming comedian, and has supported the likes of Hal Cruttendon in his recent UK tour. Now, those are names, honestly, Caroline, that we don't really know in the U.S. So, But Vocal Assets <laughs> focuses on helping you discover your voice so that it resonates deeply with everyone you meet and has them hanging on wanting to hear more. She guides you in how to use the full range of your leadership instrument your resonant natural voice without stress so that you are consistently heard and valued more highly. Transferring that voice to the stage offline and online is more tricky without sounding shouty, hard edged or strained. She helps you connect and command presence and impact by speaking from a more natural, authentic and powerful vocal resonance that doesn't need to be switched on or projected with overpowering force. So Caroline, welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Thank you very much, Brett, and thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm delighted to be here and, and delighted to speak to an American audience, but I'm sure you've got more than American people who are, are listening to you, but it's delightful whichever way. It's interesting. The podcast is officially launching this week, so I have some initial episodes going out, but uh, getting a few in the bank to get ahead of the game. But, 
you know, the basic format of this program, typically, Caroline, is, you know, I talk about somebody's speaking journey, ask them to share some of their success tips for being more effective as a speaker, and then share a mistake or two they made along the way that they would advise others not to make. And this program may go in a little bit of a different direction because you have experience and skills in an area that I hadn't even really thought about before, but I thought in listening to you yesterday in the networking event that, you know, this is something that people who want to get on the stage need to hear. And so I, I'm so happy that you accepted my gracious invitation to get on the program. And so here we are today. So obviously you come out of a performance background and you know, that's a world my daughter is very familiar with because she's a musician and she, I mean, she just went to New York herself on Christmas day and watched six Broadway shows and flew back two days later. So she loves the theater and shows and all that. She plays the bassoon and, you know, does all sorts of musical stuff. But anyway, so you're out of a performance background and, you know, I'm curious, first of all, what, what triggered the interest to get involved in the speaking industry in some way? Well, that kind of happened back in 2012. Um, Around about that time, there was that big switch over from everything going digital for marketing. Now, I've been running a company and we had uh, found that our usual ways of advertising in local papers and all that kind of stuff was no longer working and we were going to have to go online. So I went down to my education center and said, do you got any courses about digital marketing? And they went, digital what? And I went, well, obviously they don't have any. So I had to go and look further along. Mm -hmm. And I came across a book and this particular person was running a three-day event in London. I thought, I need to get to that. So I got to London. There I am at the event. There's about 300 people in the room. I'm sitting there, new notebook, ready to take lots of notes. It had been billed as uh, this event with international speakers. It was going to be amazing. And I was really looking forward to it. And they got the first speaker up. And I, I couldn't actually believe it. In my head, I was, the, you know that little voice you got in your head? My little voice was going, do you know what? I've got eight-year-olds back at the performing arts school I'm running that's got better stage presence than that and can communicate with an audience better than that. So, uh, is this uh, what the speaking uh, industry uh, is all about? Yeah, I'm curious, Caroline. Was that was that uh, promoter's name Andrew Reynolds? No, it wasn't actually. Oh, okay. uh, it was Mark Anastasi. Okay, I know that name too. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I've got to ask you this question, Caroline. So given your performance background, do you feel maybe that you hold people to a higher level of performance expectation than maybe the average, average audience would in terms of speakers from the stage? Um, yes and no. <laughs> the yes is that yes, because they're not used to it. They're not used to having something that's better than that, which is uh, which is one of the things that I found out later because I kind of thought this is this is a bit weird. How can someone get on the stage at just this kind of level and be supposedly world renowned and 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 everything else? It just didn't match in with the performance level, if you like, that I had been used to as a classical musician and I was a singer. And it was kind of like, well, these 
people are professionals and I was a professional and I couldn't understand why there was such a big gap. But the thing about it is that our audiences are also used to watching the television, watching films, uh, watching all kinds of different things out there, and they're used to different standards. And in fact, I think a lot of people would prefer it if the standard got better. Hmm. So the event back in, I mean, you're going back 10, 11 years now to that event in the UK that kind of kind of kicked things off or whatever. Were there any other impetuses to wanting to get involved in the industry that you're involved in now, aside from seeing that gap back at that first event you went to? Yeah, that one sort of sowed the seed, I think you could Mm -hmm. to say that and it kind of germinated and but a few years later I was in London um, visiting a friend and he was doing some headshots for a couple of friends of his and so I was helping him out and one of these friends had a speaking gig uh, the next week and so she was talking about how she was very worried about it. She was worried because she might not get a microphone. And she was worried because I got a very quiet voice and, I, and I'm not going to be heard. And, and, and I, so she was full of all of those kind of big worries and things. So I just let herself talk herself out on all of that. And then I let the conversation go into a different direction. And we all sort of relaxed a little bit and and everything else and then suddenly she started to be herself and suddenly her voice changed it just opened up it really reflected this person that we now started to see in front of us and I just out of nowhere said that's the voice that's how you need to be on stage as long as you do that and I knew that she was going to be in a room with not that many people, about 30 people. I said, as long as you just do that and be like that and sound like that, you won't even need a microphone. So that raises a question in my mind, Caroline. So you mentioned this person that you worked with was speaking to an audience of 30 people. Yeah. What, do, what does it change in your voice, what you want to do from the platform if it's 300 people or 3,000 people or whatever? How, do, how, how has that changed things? Um, it ch it changes things a lot, um, very much so. But there's just one word that encapsulates the word projection. And what I began to learn later on was that what speakers think from uh, about projection and what I know about projection aren't necessarily the same things. So <laughs> speakers sometimes often say they know what projection is. And so when I talk to them about it on a, and we're talking about a theoretical basis, they, they all agree with me. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's not about being loud or this, that and the other. And then I watch them speak. And actually, the way they're projecting is about being louder. That's all it is. Yeah. They're being louder. The problem with that is I found that as soon as they do that and there is that gap between them and the audience, because that's the bridge that we've actually got to build as speakers between ourselves and the audience. And there is that gap. And that gap is quite small in some cases. Your front row may be quite near you, but your back row could be very far away. So you've got to be able to bridge those gaps mm -hmm. all the way 
across. And a lot of people, when they get on stage, they become louder and they force their voice like that. Um, and that's quite difficult to hear and listen to over any length of time. Projection for me is about no matter how quiet you are, what you're trying to say, how loud you need to be or be angry or frustrated, that has to be projected. And that's a very different set of skills than just being louder. All right. So are you willing to share a few tips on how somebody can best project from the stage? One of my best ones, and it's an unusual one because most people don't do it. And in fact, um, it's probably only uh, and, and not all singers get taught this either, but it's a singing technique. But it works really well in the spoken voice, too. Actually, most things do. You can often swap techniques from because I've, I've done a lot of working with actors as well. So it's a case you can swap things over. This is how I know all my stuff around the voice. It's not just from a singing perspective. It is also from an acting perspective and and everything else in between. So there there is this particular technique that I like to teach to my clients. This is where we blend two different sounds in your voice and we blend them together and when you speak through that you can amplify your voice by up to 600 percent more than you can normally do with no extra effort <laughs> i know right. i'm not sure how you do that but okay <laughs> yeah so um it, it's 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 a it's a wonderful uh, way of doing things. How can I explain this to you? So, first of all, I use this technique all the time. I'm using it now at the moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it out of my voice. So this is me. This is my normal voice. Actually, I very rarely use my normal voice because it tends to sound much higher and thinner. It's very difficult to project. Otherwise, I get that shouty type thing coming across it, which is what happens to a lot of people. And it's not nearly so listenable to either. Mm -hmm. And I can already see you're working harder to listen to me. So I'm going to put it back in because I actually find it easier to speak like this now. And I use it all the time. It has become a lot bigger and rounder and more full bodied. When you're projecting a sound like that, it's like having something that's really big going out from you, and then it takes a long time until it peters out. A thin little sound going away from you peters out very quickly, which is why people often feel they have to almost shout or get or push their voice to be louder so people can hear it. That's where the difference is between what I do and what speakers normally do when they want to get louder. Hmm. So that's the first thing. Yeah. Um, this full-bodiedness. You might have noticed that when I took it out of my voice, it started to sound higher, my voice. My voice is not higher now, but this is what happens. Um, if you were to go to a piano and play just one note 
and then just leave it to ring and just listen to that note, you will start to hear higher tones and lower tones around that main sound in the middle. These are called enharmonics. So what's happening when I do this blending is that because my voice is quite high, it's enacting all the lower enharmonics. And I'm using those to make my voice sound lower. So I sound more authoritative and more confident and more certain. Now it works for people who've got very low voices. It enacts the higher NR harmonics for them. And so what this technique is doing is it's balancing out the voice. So it becomes a natural amplifier. So if I, if I take it out again, notice how much quieter I suddenly am. Now I put it back in and now you can see how much louder I am. So it, it has this amplification effect. Now, the other thing that it can do is cut through acoustics. You're in a physical room. I'm sure you've done this sometimes as well. You've been standing there. It's a, perhaps a difficult acoustic because of the size of the room, the way it's been built. Sometimes also you might be somewhere where not only is that a difficulty, but the noise in the room, perhaps there's a lot of people speaking, that creates an acoustic as well. So how do you cut through that acoustic with your voice? Actually, you use this technique that I'm using at the moment because it slices through acoustics a bit like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And I'm sure it's something that 99% of speakers have never given thought to whatsoever. It mm -hmm. reminds me, my wife and I were in uh, the Middle East recently, and we went to an old Roman amphitheater in uh, Jordan, Amman, Jordan, I think it was. And they had their sweet spot right in the center down, you know, where if you stood there and talked in your normal voice, they could hear you, you know, 100 yards or yeah. 150 yards away up in the stands or whatever. So, I mean, I know acoustics is important, but again, I'm sure it's something that most people haven't thought of whatsoever as a speaker and how they can improve what they're doing so that they get a better result. So I do have a couple other questions I want to ask you though, yeah. Caroline, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. I am Brett Ridgway. My guest this week is Caroline E. King, and we're talking about projection and voice and things that speakers don't normally give thought to because they think, hey, my voice is my voice and, you know, love it or leave it, that's what it is. But you can do things to improve that. So my next question for you, Caroline, is what are some of the biggest mistakes aside from what you mentioned already about thinking projection is just getting louder, but what are some of the other key mistakes that you see speakers make that you think hamper their performance and that you would advise aspiring speakers not to make? Okay. Um... There's the Duracell bunny 
thing that I call about. I don't know if you've had in um, America the adverts around uh, Duracell uh, batteries. I think it's Energizer Bunny. Okay. And the bunnies were the ones that did yeah. the, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Duracell Bunny just kept going and he was going. <laughs> and actually, after a while, it was quite, um, it, it, it was quite annoying watching it. <laughs> Uh, because that sort of uh, thing is, is too much. I see a certain number of Duracell bunny speakers, as I would call it. They're up on their stage and they've got so much energy. It's like they don't know what to do with it. And they just keep going on and on and on. Do you know, I saw um, a speaker. Uh, when was it? A couple of weeks ago. Uh, they had a 10 minute slot. Lovely chat. Uh, during the rest of the event, I was actually sitting next to him. Um, really lovely person, hugely talented as a performance coach. He actually coaches top athletes and top sportsmen and was very knowledgeable and it was lovely speaking to him. Anyway, he got up on, on, on stage and, and he was like that. So much enthusiasm and so much energy that it obliterated any type of modulation in his voice, any type of variety. He couldn't go louder. He couldn't go softer. He couldn't go up. He couldn't go down in his voice. And it was. And then on top of that, he emphasized almost every other word. But what I also so this is you're going to get two now for the price of one. Hello. So one is the, this energy enthusiasm thing, which I have to tell you, after 10 minutes, most of the audience were exhausted, just sitting and watching and listening to him, were totally exhausted. So, and, and of course, it's not really him. That's the other thing is, you, do, you don't get a sense of who he is. And then this emphasis, that he was doing, um, almost every other word. So when most speakers emphasize a word or a phrase, they hit that word and they, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. They say that, and I'm going to do this. And they just, what I call hit the word. And he was doing that every other word almost. So there were two problems. Number one, there is a whole load of other ways of emphasizing words and phrases much better than hitting them way more that's the first thing so there was no variety in his emphasis the brain loves variety if you want an audience to be engaged with you and want to listen to you then actually you have to speak to their brain because it's the brain that does the work when it interpreting your sound and it wants variety because a variety as we know is the spice of life and we need that as speakers so he had no variety there but also because he was emphasizing every single thing that he felt was important in a sentence he could be literally emphasizing nearly every other word and that's too much you do that you lose the impact of emphasis mm -hmm. completely when you do it. So those are, are a, a couple of things, three things there that I see often happen. Well, I guess it's a good thing it was only a 10 minute presentation then, huh? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
But the interesting thing about it, because of the event I was at, um, his presentation was a 10 minute presentation as what we call a showcase. Then the people in the room um, were expected to give some feedback. So I had given some feedback and and it came to the person who was sitting next to me who happened to be this chap's friend. And so his friend asked him her question. And this guy basically started to speak back. But he didn't use that Duracell bunny type thing. He didn't emphasize every other word. And that was really interesting because he was actually now naturally just projecting his normal voice so that his friend could hear him who was, you know, further away than would normally be if you were talking to somebody. And that was his speaking voice. So in fact, when he came and sat down, I said, you know, when you answered your friend's question, and did you notice the difference between your voice? Did you notice that we could still all hear you? That's your speaker's voice. That's Mm. you. And that's what you need to speak with from now on. Yeah, it's interesting. My background in the speaking industry, Caroline, comes from primarily platform selling events in the internet and information marketing spaces. And you can definitely hear with many speakers when they're getting to the close, how how their voice changes and how their, their whole tonality and pace and everything changes. And it's like, all right, here comes the pitch. And, and it's just, you know, not as conversational as it should be. So you know, before we wrap up here today, Carolyn, I do want to give you a chance to please tell people how they can get involved in your world and a little bit more about your particular company. So um, uh, I'm most, in terms of social media, I am mostly on LinkedIn. I post most days, so you can always find that. Um, the reason um, I put my name as Caroline E. King is that it's very easy to find me on social media. Yeah. Um, there's quite a number of Caroline Kings around, but not many Caroline E. King. Sure. So that was that's the first thing. So you can see about that. Um, I do um, some one-off little masterclasses, one every couple of months or so. I've got one coming up next month on the 8th of February uh, and you would be able to find that on Eventbrite now I don't know if yeah you well, have I mean this episode probably won't release until sometime later in the spring or even early summer Caroline so uh, okay just make sure you go to Caroline's LinkedIn page to find out when that next masterclass may be absolutely because I usually do the same kind of thing you know that technique I talked about in terms of um, blending your voice I often do my masterclass around that And it's great fun in terms of doing all of that. Um, People have been amazed at the results they get, number one. Number two, they're also amazed at what I've managed to get them to do within the masterclass. I do the masterclass online. So it's it's you don't have to come to the UK to come do it. Um, It's done online and we and we can do it very, very successfully. We have great fun doing it. In fact, the last one last month when I was doing it, one of the participants, because I like to demonstrate and show them various different things. I mean, everyone was laughing, but I thought she was actually going to fall off a chair. (laughs) She thought it was that funny. So we have fun. I, I do believe we need to have fun when, when we learn. So we have fun and we learn something new and we can then start implementing it and seeing the results that we can get. 
All right. Well, outstanding. So this has been another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show. My sincere thanks to my guest today, Caroline E. King, for sharing something about vocal that, frankly, we haven't even thought about having on the show till I met her yesterday at a networking event. So I appreciate you being with us, Caroline. Before we depart today, any any final words of wisdom for the aspiring speaker out there? Uh, yes, I know people do say this, but be you. Don't put on a stereotypical voice. A lot of people, they go, okay, I'm getting on stage. Now I have to be the speaker. They might go and speak to uh, or lecture at a university. Now I have to lecture like a university lecturer. Do you know they put all different voices on? You go to church, you hear the minister, and they speak in a slightly different voice. Don't get sucked into these stereotypes. And we often find we do it without realizing it because we have grown up with it. So we don't even know we're doing it. People want to connect with you. They don't want to connect with a stereotype. All right. Well, such great advice, Caroline. And again, thank you for joining me today. As always, to the listeners out there, thank you for being with me. If you haven't had a chance, make sure you go to SpotlightOnSpeaking.com and register there so you can be notified of upcoming episodes. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.